Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 251 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show currently manages and leads the technical operations team at MIT Open Learning, where he designs and builds cloud infrastructure to power online access to education for the global MIT community. He also owns and operates Boundless Notions, where he offers design, review, and implementation advice on data infrastructure and cloud automation and he's the host of the weekly Python podcast. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Tobias Macy. Thank you for having me. And I'll also add on to that that I also run the Data Engineering Podcast weekly. So for people who are looking for information about that space, feel free to tune in there. So thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to our conversation. Indeed. You're more than welcome. We'll make sure those uh, links are available in the show notes as well, so people can definitely check out those two podcasts. So Tobias, I really wanted to understand a little bit about um, your role with MIT and, and how that came about. Absolutely. So yeah, I run the technical operations team for open learning, which is a department within MIT that focuses on the digital tools that are used both inside the MIT campus, as well as to provide opportunities to the global community. So one that most people are probably going to be familiar with is OpenCourseWare, which has been around on the order of 15 or 18 years. So that's a site where learning materials, lecture notes, things like that are publicly available, Creative Commons licensed for anybody to be able to use for their own purposes. I was going to say, so that's accessible to anybody, is it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's free to anybody. And because it's Creative Commons licensed, uh, if you run a classroom, you can use that for your own teaching purposes, or you can remix it into different educational resources. So it's been pretty valuable to a lot of people around the world. And we've had people contact us to say that it helped catalyze their own careers in various different industries great i mean that that's a fantastic thing to hear yeah some of the other things that we build there are we run an installation of the open edx platform for students on campus we also work with edx.org to offer a credential called a micromaster which serves as it's a mit issued credential and it essentially serves as the first half of a master's program so you take the classes online at your own pace at a significantly reduced cost to what you would be paying if you're actually on campus. And then if you succeed in the final exam, you have the option of leveraging that to apply to the full master's program at either MIT or some of our partner institutions. And so there are just a lot of different initiatives across the department focused on that. And so my job there is to make sure that all the servers are working, that the engineers have what they need, that we're providing the different data infrastructure that's necessary across the department. So just making sure that all those digital tools are up and available and operating appropriately. Right. Okay. And how how did you actually manage to get into that role? I was just lucky. I ended up, uh, so I was working remotely for a different company at the time and through a, a shared friend of the hiring manager and myself, he had sent an invitation to connect between myself and my boss. I think maybe 
one or two years prior to our ever actually speaking because I was doing some freelance work at the time and he suggested that my now boss might have some work that needed doing and we never actually ended up connecting at that point. But when he was looking for somebody to fill the role that I currently have, uh, he ended up reaching out to me at exactly the opportune time where I was looking for a new career. So it was just a luck of networking and knowing the right people at the right time that put me in the job where I am now. Indeed. So I think that that obviously um, sort of illustrates the power of of networking and what it can actually do and in terms of the way it can help your career. Yeah, it's definitely one of those force multipliers where you don't necessarily know where anything's going to lead, but it's always worth having a conversation and being pleasant and uh, polite to people and because you never know when they might come back to be able to help you out. Exactly. Yes, that's a very good point. So Tobias, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? So I'd say the one thing is just making sure that you are constantly learning, particularly in this industry, and not just necessarily learning what are the latest tools, but learning the fundamentals, because those are the things that never change and that can be easily translated, where if you happen to learn the latest JavaScript framework or the specifics of this latest Kubernetes release, that's valuable in the moment, but it's not going to age well. Where if you learn the fundamentals of programming and systems design and architectural principles, that's something that will see you through your career all the way from being a junior developer who's first getting started through to an architect or a manager because as you get to those higher levels, you're not going to be as deep in the weeds of the specifics of what the latest release is, but you still need to be able to understand what are the fundamentals, what are the principles that are going to be useful for ensuring that the team you're working with is along the right track and that they're not going to be developing themselves into a corner where they end up with a architecture that isn't going to scale or isn't going to meet the needs of the business. And then beyond that, making sure that you keep a pulse on what are the actual business objectives of any project that you're working on. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, th- I think I'll sort of take up one part of that is um, as your career progresses and you you, t- you, I mean, you will inevitably move roles and, and your focus may change into more of a management role, having those principles solidly in place within your own knowledge is obviously what you were getting at there. But presumably there's still the room to focus in on a technology or multiple technologies throughout your career. Absolutely. And particularly as you shift technologies, you'll find a lot of familiarities between them because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything is more of an evolutionary and an iterative process than anything being necessarily revolutionary, where some of the things that are touted as revolutionary are generally because of the fact that they are maybe easier to use and they have an excellent user experience, not necessarily just from the visual design perspective, but from the developer ergonomics. And if you dig deep into it, you'll understand that it's actually still built on the shoulders of giants as with everything else that we do. And knowing what those fundamentals are and understanding what the ancestry is of these different tools will make it much easier to get up and running at a faster pace. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. Um, Tobias, can you now share with us your worst IT career moments and what you learned from that experience? Being somebody who works in the operations space, the worst moment is generally that pit, you know, the, the feeling of dread when you realize that you've taken down production and you have to scramble to try and get it back up. 
And anybody who works in operations has had at least one of these, probably several. And if you haven't, then you're probably not really doing very much. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of the first ones that I had was, fortunately, the system was still fairly early days. It wasn't in active use for the most part, but I was trying to copy a Postgres database to my local machine so that I could then replicate that data into our QA environment. And so I did the Postgres dump, I did the Postgres load, and then about halfway through the restore, I realized, oh, crap, <laughs> I'm, I'm restoring this back onto production. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I quickly stopped that process. And fortunately, because it was production data, it didn't delete that production data, but it was overwriting some of those elements. And then about a week later, we were having bug reports from a user of the, an early user of the system and they weren't able to get any new records. And I dig- did some more digging and realized it was because I had done the work to make sure that everything, all the data was there, but the sequence on the database had been reset. And so some of the primary key IDs were higher than the highest sequence value. So it wasn't able to create new sequence values. And so I had to very quickly reset that sequence counter so that we could get new records into the database. But just be very careful about your commands. Double check. Make sure that you have strong guardrails to prevent yourself from making foolish mistakes like that. And if you do make a foolish mistake like that, do your due diligence and check everything. I th- yeah, absolutely. I, I think that one, obviously, the other point you made was the speed of response as well. So when when those things are identified, it's how you respond to them as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's okay to have a moment of panic, but don't let it control your reactions because panicking isn't going to get you anywhere. Worrying isn't going to solve anything. All you can do is accept the fact that a mistake was made and do what's necessary to resolve it, regardless of whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault. Just make sure that things get done. Make sure that you can do whatever you can to make the customer happy. Very well put, yes. So moving away from your worst moment, can you tell us about your career highlight to date? I'd say probably it's being able to be in a position where I can have the privilege and the experience of running these podcasts and having the opportunity to talk to so many interesting and intelligent and creative people who are driving the industry forward and using all the different tools that I rely on day to day and having that as an opportunity to ask the interesting questions and learn more about what's out there and help my audience progress in their careers as a result. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, I feel very, very similar in in the way this podcast goes as well. So we get a broad range of of guests like yourself and, and it's a fantastic thing to do because of what you learn from it yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So to give a bit of backstory, the reason I actually even got into podcasting was I had been listening to podcasts for a while. I was a fan of different technical shows and Python was my language of choice and still is. And so I had listened to all the different back episodes of the different podcasts people had produced on the Python language and its community, but there weren't any new ones being produced. And so I kept waiting and waiting for somebody else to start one up so I could listen to it. And after, I think, probably on the order of about two years of waiting, I finally gave up and said, okay, fine, (laughs) I'll start a podcast. I'll be the one to make sure that this happens in the world. And so that's just another good lesson to people is if there's something that you want, you can't necessarily wait around for somebody else to do it. Sometimes it has to be you. So don't be afraid to step up and just try and get something done. Because even if it's not a wild success, at least you had the experience of trying and learning from that experience. And 
possibly someone else will gain value from your efforts. So exactly. I'm happy that I got into podcasting. And a couple of years after that, I realized that there was another space in the market where there were a plethora of shows about data science, but not really anything that covered the breadth of data engineering, which is an integral part of that overall pipeline and a necessary piece of the infrastructure for data scientists to be able to get their work done. So that's where I started the data engineering podcast as a second show. Right. And do you get much feedback from listeners? I get occasional feedback. Um, I don't get it often, but I do get some and it's always gratifying to have somebody email me saying, this is my favorite show about data, or this is my favorite show about Python, or I learned about this tool because of the episode that you did. And now it's part of my tool chain and I was able to get a lot of value from it. So just having that feedback at all is useful. You know, I don't need it every day, but when it happens, it's great. It you know helps me reaffirm the motivation to keep the podcasts going i can certainly <laughs> agree in terms of the fact yes I, that's the sort of thing that keeps you going doesn't it absolutely so tobias what excites you about the future of the it industry and careers in it in particular i think that what's exciting about it is that as our economy and our world becomes increasingly digitized there is no shortage of opportunity for people to be able to work in this industry. And as the tools become more sophisticated and more people focus on the ergonomics and user experience of the different tools, it helps to make them accessible to a broader range of people where a career in IT used to be that you had to know how to punch cards in a particular fashion to be able to feed it into the machine. And uh, then it was you needed to know the hardware and the low level programming. And just as we have progressed through this industry, more and more people are able to get involved in the process, which means that the tools and the systems that we're building are more valuable and more equitable. And so I'm just excited about the continued advance of that and the increased availability of technology as a path to people self-actualizing and being able to make a useful living, building something that they can feel good about, and the fact that it helps to reduce the barriers to entry and you don't necessarily have to be located in a specific area to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. So just excited for that increased growth in the utility and usability and viability of technology as a career and the uh, decentralization of the opportunity. Sure. I mean, are there any technologies that, that particularly interest you? Obviously, Python is obviously a, a passion for you, but are there anything else or any other areas that, that are potentially going to interest you in the coming months and years? I think that one of the really interesting areas right now is the idea of stream processing and the ability to gain insights on unbounded streams of data and being able to improve the timeliness of insights as we gain greater capacity to process data in real time and just the availability of tools to be able to make that happen, not just in terms of the underlying infrastructure of storing the the, you know, the raw bytes, but also the tools to be able to run these analyses without necessarily having to understand all of the complex algorithms that go into it, such as things like bloom filters for probabilistic data structures, but just the ability to be able to get insights in real time and have that drive further rounds of innovation. Yeah. Okay. 
We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I initially wanted to work as a physicist, particularly in the area of theoretical physics and quantum mechanics, and then realized that the career opportunities there weren't really that viable. And so after taking a step back, I ended up getting my degree in uh, computer engineering, which is a hybrid of computer science and electrical engineering. And so as I was learning through that, I was fortunate enough to get a job as a systems administrator and just the interesting problems that were posed by just trying to get a systems up and running just kept me motivated and kept me interested in learning more about programming and systems architecture. And as uh, somebody who was relying on databases and keeping those up and running, that got me interested in data engineering. So just uh, having the opportunity to learn more about it and get into programming and being able to solve problems in interesting ways is what got me interested in it and what keeps me motivated. What is the best career advice you've ever received? I think going back to that point about networking and just making sure that you get yourself out there and make sure that you have the opportunity to speak to people and gain a network, whether it's through the podcasts like I do, going to local meetups, getting involved in different community slacks. There are more and more opportunities now to be able to become part of a community and meet people and provide value and gain value from them. And so it's not even just a matter of where you live because of the fact that we have all this digital infrastructure for being able to communicate across these vast distances. So just making sure that you put yourself out there, make yourself available as a resource to other people to answer questions, whether it's you're a junior engineer and you're helping your sister or your brother or your best friend learn about what you're doing, or if you are somebody who is decades into your career and you're helping to provide feedback or advice to junior or mid-level engineers, just making sure that you help to give back some of the value that you've received through your career as an IT and as, as an IT engineer. And if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? Um, if I had to do it again, if I was starting from scratch as somebody coming out of high school, I would probably start off with just using the massive variety of free learning resources that are out there. Pick a project that's interesting to you. Figure out just enough to be able to build it. Uh, it's going to be hard, <laughs> but just give it a shot. And then my personal trajectory, I think I would probably focus on the data engineering or data analytics space, because that's where a lot of the current innovation is happening. And that's what I think is going to be the biggest driver in the next stage of our global economy. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? So right now, I'm focusing on keeping my current job at MIT going, focusing on building out a viable data platform to help with that engine of innovation within the department to make sure that we have information that's useful and clean and available for analytics. I'm focusing on keeping the podcasts going and making sure that they are useful and interesting to people around the world to be able to learn from and improve their own careers in IT. And also just uh, yeah, continuing to make myself available to help people learn about what's going on in the industry 
whether that's through the podcasts, through my work as a manager, or through my consulting of providing systems design and architecture advice and road mapping and helping people understand what are the tools and systems that are available for solving the problems that they're facing. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I think the most useful skill has been self-directed learning. And a close second is knowing what questions to ask and how. I think one of the most valuable skills from an interpersonal perspective is knowing how to ask open-ended questions because you never know where they're going to lead. So if you haven't ever explored this area, just very quickly, a closed-ended question is something that can be answered with a simple yes or no or, you know, a single sentence. So making sure that you rephrase them so that the person has to answer in a more long-winded fashion and gives them the opportunity to give you information that you didn't know that you didn't know. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Really, it's a matter of just keeping an eye on what's happening in the industry so that I can stay on top of interesting trends for the podcasts, as well as ways that I can use the different developments and innovations in my own work as an engineer. So just the play, the interplay of working in the engineering space and then having podcasts that explore the areas where that I don't get to have my hands in on a day-to-day basis. And I like this question in particular. So what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I like to hang out with my family. Uh, My kids are getting older now, so I'm able to play a lot more board games with them. So recently started a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with them. Uh, With uh, being stuck at home with the coronavirus, picked up a few more board games. So tried out a game called One Deck Dungeon that's been fun. Beyond that, I grew up as a carpenter. Uh, It's what my dad does. And so I do all of the renovations on my house. So just different house projects and uh, working with my wife in the garden. So just (laughs) trying to keep busy with the family, go for hikes, bike rides. And in the little bits of free time I have outside of that, I uh, like to read some science fiction or fantasy books. Tobias, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? The piece of advice I would like to leave everybody with is just stay curious, stay interested, no matter how challenging or difficult a particular problem might look like, there is a way around it or there is a way through it. So just treat it as a puzzle and uh, keep at it. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? So the easiest way is probably either follow one of my podcasts. So they're at pythonpodcast.com and dataengineeringpodcast.com. There are Twitter accounts for each of those, or you can also find me directly at Tobias Macy or follow me on LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com slash in slash tmacy, and I'll add those links in the show notes as well. Tobias, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciated the opportunity and I hope it's been useful for your audience. Hi, Phil here again. Just a final few words from me. Firstly, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their career tips, experiences and insights with us on the show today. As you probably know, there have been more than 200 guests on the show so far and I'm continuing to try to attract new guests that can provide great insights to all of us. However, to enable me to do this, I need to ensure that the podcast continues to grow and reach an extended audience. 
And you can help me in doing this by subscribing to the show and providing a rating and review in whichever platform you listen to. Thanks again for your support. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.